The Latin master said it was from Horace, but the English master liked to translate it into Kipling's words. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs, you'll be a man, my son. It was not exactly a public school like Eton or Winchester. There were no boarders, we were all day boys. But it was run on the same lines. Your parents, or as in my case, guardian, had to pay to send you there. There were a few scholarship boys from the local council schools. I think we had to have them because of the Board of Education subsidy, but never more than twenty or so in the whole school. In 1920, a new head was appointed. His name was Brush, and we nicknamed him the Bristle. He'd been a master at a big public school, and so he knew how things should be done. He made a lot of changes. After he came, we played rugger instead of soccer. Sat in forms instead of in classes, and were taught how to speak like gentlemen. One or two of the older masters got the sack, which was a good thing, and the bristle made all the masters wear their university gowns at prayers in the morning. As he said, Coram's was a school with a good tradition, and although we might not be as old as Eton or Winchester, we were a good deal older than Brighton or Clifton. All the swatting in the world was no good if you didn't have character and tradition. He made us stop reading trash like the Gem and Magnet, and turn to worthwhile books by authors like Stevenson and Talbot Baines Reed. I was too young when my father was killed to have known him well, but one or two of his pet sayings have always remained in my memory, perhaps because I heard him repeat them so often to Mum or to his army friends. One I remember was "Never volunteer for anything," and another was "Bullshit baffles brains." Hardly the guiding principles of an officer and a gentleman, you say? Well, I'm not so sure about that, but I won't argue. I can only say that they were the guiding principles of a practical, professional soldier, and that at Coram's they worked. For example, I found out very early on that nothing annoyed the masters more than untidy handwriting. With some of them, in fact, the wrong answer to a question neatly written would get almost as many marks as the right answer badly written. Or covered with smears and blots, I've always written very neatly. Again, when a master asked something and then said, "Hands up, who knows?" You could always put your hand up, even if you did not know, as long as you let the eager beavers put their hands up first, and as long as you smiled. Smiling, pleasantly—I mean, not grinning or smirking—was very important at all times. The masters did not bother about you so much if you looked as if you had a clear conscience. I got on fairly well with the other chaps, because I had been born in Egypt. Of course, they called me Wog, but as I was fair-haired like my father, I didn't mind that. My voice broke quite early when I was twelve. After a while, I started going up to hilly fields at night with a fifth former named Jones the Fourth, who was fifteen, and we used to pick up girls, square pushing, as they say in the army. I soon found out that some of the girls didn't mind a bit if you put your hand up their skirts, and even did a bit more. Sometimes we would stay out late. That meant that I used to have to get up early and do my homework, or make my aunt write an excuse note for me to take to school, saying that I'd been sent to bed after tea with a feverish headache. If the worst came to the worst, I could always crib from a boy named Reese and do the written work in the lavatory. He had very bad acne and never minded if you cribbed from him. In fact, I think he liked it, but you had to be careful. He was one of the bookworms and usually got everything right. 
If you cribbed from him word for word, you risked getting full marks. With me, that would make the master suspicious. I got ten out of ten for a chemistry paper once, and the master caned me for cheating. I'd never really liked the man, and I got my revenge later by pouring a test tube of sulfuric acid, concentrated, over the saddle of his bicycle. But I have always remembered the lesson that incident taught me. Never try to pretend that you're better than you are. I think I can fairly say that I never have. Of course, an English public school education is mainly designed to build character, to give a boy a sense of fair play and sound values, teach him to take the rough with the smooth, and make him look and sound like a gentleman. Corams at least did those things for me. And looking back, I suppose that I should be grateful. I can't say that I enjoyed the process, though. Fighting, for instance, that was supposed to be very manly, and if you did not enjoy it, they called you cowardly custard. I don't think it is cowardly not to want someone to hit you with his fist and make your nose bleed. The trouble was that when I used to hit back, I always sprained my thumb or grazed my knuckles. In the end, I found the best way to hit back was with a satchel, especially if you had a pen or the sharp edge of a ruler sticking out through the flap. But I have always disliked violence of any kind. Almost as much as I dislike injustice. My last term at Coram's, which I should have been able to enjoy because it was the last, was completely spoiled. Jones Four was responsible for that. He had left school by then and was working for his father who owned a garage.